0: Hello, and welcome to Bad Europe, the podcast where I, Mike Stutchbury, move away the rocks of European history to expose the slimy, spineless creatures underneath. This week, as we all fall into a pit of despair over the election of Donald Trump to US President, I thought we'd choose to look at another really rubbish leader. In this case, Holy Roman Emperor, Rudolf II. Stop your messing around. If there was any time in European history when a poor leader could set the stage for disaster, it was the turn of the 16th century. A disaster was exactly what Rudolf's reign led to, namely the Thirty Years' War, one of Europe's great tragedies. Rudolf was born in 1552 to Emperor Maximilian II of the notoriously inbred Habsburg dynasty and his wife Maria of Spain. In fact, highly concentrated imperial blood flowed in his veins from both sides. His maternal grandfather was Charles V, the Holy Roman Emperor who had summoned Martin Luther to the Diet of Worms in 1521. As a small child, Rudolf lived in Vienna, the unofficial capital of the Holy Roman Empire, until age 11, when he was sent to live with his cold, austere, maternal uncle, Philip II of Spain. This was a relatively normal practice for future monarchs, Living in another court was thought to instill resilience and a strength of will. Rudolf would spend eight years in the Spanish court. When he returned, his father thought that he was aloof, arrogant and somewhat withdrawn from the world. His mother, on the other hand, thought that he'd just learned some good Spanish manners. While we'll never know exactly what happened in Spain, it's fair to say from what we know of his later life that it probably involved a lot of time spent alone, being ill and isolated from the affairs of court. After ascending to various European thrones in 1575, Rudolf was crowned Holy Roman Emperor on the death of his father in 1576. In retrospect, it is easy to note the seeds of Rudolf's later failures, early in his reign. To begin with, Rudolf hated the noise, hullabaloo and political games of the imperial court in Vienna, and, in 1583, opted to move to Prague where he made his residence the Hradčany the huge castle dominating the hill over the city if you've ever visited prague castle you'll know that it is immense and considered by some to be the largest castle in the world it was a perfect place for rudolf to metaphorically seal himself off from the rest of the world and instead focus on his passions tucked away it's safe to say that rudolf was a bit of a horn dog He had affairs with both male valets and female members of the court and was hardly discreet about them. He was the father of a couple of bastard children, one of whom, Julius Caesar, he had to have imprisoned after he attacked, raped and killed a servant. He commissioned a lot of what was considered highly erotic art and displayed it prominently in the castle. He never ever really seemed that interested in getting married. It just wasn't a priority for him, and this was kind of dangerous at a time when bearing airs ensued peace and stability. Rudolf was also, perhaps most famously, a collector. He was an innately curious individual and sought wonders, both natural and of an occult nature, from around the world. He had rooms of the castle transformed into a highly organised Kunstkammer, or type of early museum, where he would spend hours alone with treasures from across the world. Ostrich eggs, whale bones, early scientific instruments, and medieval magical texts. It is true that Rudolf II did help kickstart modern science by inviting many thinkers and luminaries to his court. Early astronomers Tycho Brahe and Johannes Kepler remained within his inner circle for many years, primarily there to draw up astrological charts However, Rudolf was also easy prey to many outright charlatans who would drain the treasury. Edward Kelly, and to a lesser extent, Dr. John Dee, made a tidy sum during their time in Prague, claiming that they could transform base metals into gold as alchemists. As Rudolf's reign progressed, his earlier quirks would become more pronounced, often developing into full-blown madness. He would hoard his gold in his chambers, meaning that sometimes castle staff went hungry or without supplies. He was a slave to a routine and couldn't bear to take his meals outside of certain places and times. He was prone to spectacular rages, kicking and stomping, even striking those in his way. The Habsburg madness in his blood, distilled by centuries of intermarriage, was starting to manifest. When Rudolf managed to get it together and rule, his actions were generally disastrous – He simply did not understand the fragile, geopolitical game that he was playing. In the hundred years since the Reformation, both Europe and the Holy Roman Empire within it had become a raggedy patchwork of regions dominated by the feuding branches of Protestantism and Roman Catholicism. As Holy Roman Emperor, Rudolf thought that he could heal the divisions within Christianity by calling for a new crusade in 1593, a war against the Turks that troubled his eastern borders in Hungary it's safe to say that it was a dramatic mistake. As it turned out, Hungary's Protestants didn't much like the idea of a conflict with the Turks. It would ravage their land and drain their resources. Protestants in Bohemia, the region in which Prague sat, also figured that a war was an unjust imposition and that they deserved more rights to freely worship if they were going to take part. Rather than heal the divisions amongst European Christianity, Rudolf's war only served to widen them. Soon, the eastern regions of the Holy Roman Empire began to erupt into civil unrest and periodic rebellion. At this stage, a new player emerged. Rudolf's little brother, Matthias, noted the trouble his brother was causing and initially attempted to bring about peace with the Hungarians. As the 17th century dawned, however, Matthias realised that the only way to stop the damage occurring to the empire was to remove Rudolf from power. After siding with the Hungarian rebels in late 1606, Bohemia's Protestants urged Matthias to march on Prague in 1609. The castle was taken and Rudolf deposed of all power but in name, that is to say his title. Rudolf would die the next year, a tragic figure, a Howard Hughes-like recluse. While he was dead and gone, the wound that Rudolf II inflicted on the Holy Roman Empire didn't heal. Rather, it became infected. Bohemian resentment at the actions of the Holy Roman Empire festered until May the 23, 1618, when Protestant nobles met with Catholic representatives of the Holy Roman Emperor Ferdinand II. In a small side chamber of the Hradčany, Prague Castle, tensions soon reached boiling point and two of the representatives, along with their secretary, were sent flying out of the window in what is now known as the Defenestration of Prague. Amazingly, all three survived. While nobody died, the damage was done. Catholics across Europe were enraged and soon a conflict broke out that was to last three decades – the Thirty Years' War. As a leader, Rudolf's sin wasn't that he was a demagogue or a tyrant. Many in Prague praise him for his tolerance, rather it was his withdrawal from the world, his reluctance to listen to advice and his stubborn refusal to back down that peg him as a bad leader. His inability to listen or engage alienated him from his subjects and would ultimately lead to the war that would break up the Holy Roman Empire. Maybe there's a lesson in all of that for the new president-elect. Perhaps Rudolf's strange, lonely life, full of empty sexual dalliances and ostentatious displays of wealth, offer a worn, faded mirror to Mr Trump and what he may eventually become. At any rate, there's a lot there to think about. Until next time... I'm Mike Stutchbury, and this has been Bad Europe. Just before I go, you may be looking for some further reading about Rudolf II. I would suggest that the best account of his life is The Mercurial Emperor by Peter Marshall, published by Penguin. It's also available on Kindle, if that's your thing. Finally, if you enjoy Bad Europe, consider making a small donation towards research materials and equipment at paypal.me slash Mike Stutchbury. That's M-I-K-E-S-T-U-C-H-B-E-R-Y. Your support will help to improve the quality and frequency of Bad Europe podcasts, as well as a few surprises that I'm going to be talking about in future episodes. Right, that's it. Roll the outro music.